Thanks for taking the time to listen to our 3D OrthoPro podcast. If you'd like to get any more information on Piro, 8Soul or Raptor, please visit our website at www.3dorthopro.com or drop us an email at info at 3dorthopro.com. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining me at 3D OrthoPro uh, this morning. I'm very pleased to have Peter Bartek from HP here uh, this morning. So I think I will start by letting Peter talk about what his, uh, what his role is at HP before we get into some more of the details around 3D printing uh, up from the HP side. <laughs> hey, hey, Doc. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for, uh, for bringing me in. No uh, pleasure to talk to you. And my name is Petr Bartek, and I'm the application engineer or let's say technical consultant for, for 3D printing in HP Inc. company. Uh, what I'm actually responsible for are developing the application and supporting of our of our clients and our partners. Uh, on top of that, you know, I'm making a presentation for the customers and also some trainings for the customers and for our partners. So actually, a little bit, a little bit of everything. All right. So everything, everything related to MJF technology. I mean, mostly the technical topics are are covered by me. Uh, same for the applications and same same for this uh, customer presentation and webinars, whatever whatever is needed. I'm jumping in. Cool. So you're probably pretty busy covering a large area and uh, helping everyone with technical support with printers all over Europe and Asia. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm uh, me personally. I'm responsible for the CEE, so that means the Central and Eastern Europe, uh, mm -hmm. partially also covering the MEMA countries, so the Middle East, uh, Middle East and Africa. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of countries, uh, a lot of a lot of different people, a lot of different applications. You know, different requests coming from from different regions. So yeah, it's it's very it's very challenging from time to time. <laughs> Keeping up all those time zones. Um, cool. I think like to start off with, um, like, can you just run me through the the basics of uh, how the HP Multijet Fusion printer works for for those people that aren't aware of the of the process of, of what goes on. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so our technology is the powder based. Okay, so that means that uh, we work with the with the powders, uh, mostly polymides, but we have we have other other materials available as well. Uh, how it actually works? So maybe maybe we can start with the nesting because that's a that's essential uh, for for the three D printing. So if you imagine you have some uh, uh, you have some 3D space, you placed your parts in, okay? And then the software is doing the slicing. Yeah. So actually it just cut the, the entire build space into the slices and each slice has approximately, or can have between the 80 and 110 microns. And then we, if you, if you line the printing, we are just printing, you know, one layer or one slice per time. Yeah, so, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's kind of horizontal slicing, isn't it? It's like, so exactly. for people to imagine, it's like a, when you print from a normal printer on a piece of paper, it prints a two-dimensional, uh, the words or picture that you want, whereas this is like a three-dimensional box that you put your objects into, and then the horizontal slices are the tiny, tiny layers nice. like, that, that it, the printer, the can, can print, and hence why you get so much detail and so much accuracy. In what exactly, 
Exactly. That's that's exactly how it works. Okay. So actually, you can imagine the one slice to be one page of paper, and you just you know put in one op, uh, one of uh, yeah. on top of each other. So actually, you just pile in those papers on, on top of each other, and you know that's that's how we build in the whole, let's say, the whole space in a in a Z in a Z and I think, axis. And I think the concept from from my side where we're printing. Um, the eight soul insoles at the moment is that the the build space will uh, get filled with lots of insoles, and then once it's full, the print will get you press on so that you maximize your kind of efficiency or cost. So, uh, yeah. and then you the, and then you print all those pairs of insoles. It's not one insole pair at a time. You might get 20, 20 pairs of insoles in there, and 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 they all get go on together. And I think how, how long yeah. does it take? Yeah, that's 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 actually correct. You know, you you have to or you need you need into, but you can uh, fill the entire space with, uh, for instance, insole or insoles or whatever parts. Yeah. But it's up to you. Okay, you need to fill it like entirely to use the the entire Z height uh, uh-huh. head axis. You can print I don't know one hundred millimeters. You know, just to just to print a couple of the insoles. But yeah, if you if you if you use <laughs> the entire build space. But it still goes through the same process, is that right? But it still goes through the, all the layers, even if you're only printing at the bottom, or does it? Does it? Because sh- I wouldn't shorten the build time just by printing less. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I mean, if you if you build the entire build space, it takes approximately eleven hours, or it mm-hmm. can be somewhere between nine to eleven hours. And when talking about the insoles, you can fit couple couple hundreds, couple hundreds of insoles over there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you if you don't have so much parts to be printed, or you need to reduce the time time to part, you, okay. can, you can adjust the the height of the build. Okay, so you can, ah, you okay. can for instance, 100, 200 millimeters in a, in a height. It's it's up to you. Okay, and is that, probably, is that then obviously a shorter print time, and then and then would it be it would cost less to do it a smaller build or does it still because i know it costs a certain amount of money to print one load um to make it kind of cost effective for companies that's uh that's a very good question that's a very good question i have to say i mean it uh it varies it's it's different or it's related to the packing density okay, okay. and the size of the parts it's, it's uh, okay. dimension and shape and volume okay so yeah i can I can confirm that for for some certain parts, it is more economical to to not to use the entire Z height, so 380, but for instance, to print just two thirds of it. Okay, that makes uh, better sense. And to print it, for instance, twice per day, that uh, they can that uh, or such an approach can give you better price. Uh, I mean, yeah. in terms of cost per part. Yeah. But it's it is really related to the part you you are willing to print. Okay, for for some smaller parts, it's it makes for instance better sense to to enter the in, yeah. to the entire build space and just to fill up as many as you can. Yeah, and then I think after that, if I understand correctly, then it then it's the cooling process, um, which takes a little bit longer to allow the powder to cool uh, and the products to cool down, and um, before they can be unpacked. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's that's another phase of the of the printing uh, when when talking about the MJF. Okay, so you, when you start printing, then you print in let's say eleven or nine to eleven hours, depends on the print mode. And after that, you apply the cooling because the part needs to solidify. Mm-hmm. Okay, usually we say that this cooling time is two point five or three times uh, the printing time. Okay. Okay. 
but there are also some other options and actually if we would if we would talk about the insoles particularly yeah. uh, some of the customers they they are using something what we call the fast cooling which actually you know it's uh, it's really speeding things up and if you if you use the fast cooling you can actually cool the entire job in approximately nine hours too yeah. so you can how does that happen how did, what's the process of making the fast cooling as opposed to the normal cooling what what's the difference like in terms I mean, of what happens yeah when when you talk about the natural cooling uh you just finish the job you take out the build unit and let it cool down naturally yeah, okay? yeah. If, if we if we are talking about the fast cooling option you have to take the build unit out of the printer put it inside of the processing station and just connect it to the processing station vacuum cleaner and the okay. vacuum cleaner is blowing the cold air inside of the build ah, cool. so it, it's slowly removing uh, the powder the unfused powder which is then recycled and uh -huh. used them. and because of the because of the airflow the cooling is happening faster okay ah. but this is this is also affecting the mechanical properties of the printing board ah, okay uh, okay, so you'll get different mechanics because you've the, the process of cooling it quicker. Okay, cool. That I didn't I didn't know that. Um and then after that, once the parts have been taken out, they then kind of go into various different machines to get rid of uh all the, the dust or the powder, um and oh. not dust powder, um and and then they go on to be colored uh, as as or dyed as 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 necessary. But, uh, yeah. I think um, we touched a little bit about materials there, and I know certainly from your side, you're on the uh, on the far end of say where we're, where you are with different materials, and we are tending to print mainly with nylon and in, in our, in our mm -hmm. prosthetics and orthotics industry. Um, any any new materials that you guys are working on, or any anything you can tell us? Uh. What, what we have available right now, uh, it's, it's a PA12, PA11. Uh, let's say that the PA12 is covering most of the applications, I would, I would say about 90, 90%. Okay. Uh, the PA11 is, uh, is a little bit different. I would say around three, three to 5% of, of overall applications. Okay. Uh, then we have polypropylene, which is uh, which is also interesting for, for some of the customers, even, for, even from the ONP business. Yeah, and we we also have the flexible materials like TPU and TPAs. All right, okay. so some of the customers are experimenting, and they're actually uh, they're printing from both from from flexible and from uh, from stiff material, and then they combine these two these two together. But uh, back to your questions, when I mean we have in or HPMJ have has the policy of open open material platform, so that means that uh, everyone can probably not everyone because it, it requires certain certain ex expertise in a, in a material development but everyone can actually develop and uh, and bring in new materials to the market okay so it's not only us who is uh, who is working on new materials but it's also uh, some of our partners like uh, BASF or Lubrizol, Evonik uh, so big big chemical companies like this who are uh, or which we are cooperating with on a, on the development of the powders. So it's not only us, but uh, I I can tell you that I mean it's it's a constant development, all right. And for for the powder based technology, it's a long term process. I mean the development of the powder takes approximately. It depends on the expertise of the of the people who are involved. But yeah. 
I mean, shortly it's two years and it can be easily somewhere between the five years. Okay? Right. Wow. That's so a lot. It's, a, it's a, it's a long, it's a long-term process. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't want, I don't want to speak about some concrete, concrete materials we are working with on, yeah. but uh, yeah, there is, there is a couple of new materials on the roadmap and uh, some of them will be introduced to the market very soon. I think. Cool. Cause I know, from the people I've spoken to in the orthotics industry, and most the orthotics is tended to be printed in PA11 because it's a little bit more flexible than PA12. Yeah. And then they yeah. look to reinforce that by the design of the structure uh, to create uh, some flexibility in one area and some rigidity in another area. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's that's quite cool. Is it is it quite a big, is it a lot of work to change out the materials uh, that you're printing in? Like if you did a build on PA11 and you were like, oh, I'm going to print in um, polypropylene now. Like, is that is that a big, is a lot of work to change that over? Uh, well, if you if you are switching between the, let's say, related materials. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're switching between the polyamides, for instance, between 11 and 12, it's actually not a lot of work. I mean, it's probably, it takes about hour and a half because you okay. have to, you have to clean the processing station, you have to clean the units all right to to avoid any kind of contamination if okay. you if you would switch between the different materials so that means the pa for instance and polypropylene or pa and tpu mm -hmm. uh, then it's a little bit it's a little bit more complicated because you have to clean also the inside of the inside of the machine so yeah. i mean the transporting yeah. hoses and all of the inside components right okay. yeah because it, it, people, people would be contaminated because people tend to not, you don't tend to see that a lot where people are saying, oh, we'll print, like where there's, it's, it's not an easy enough process to be, for companies to be like, oh, if you want me to print it in polypropylene, we can do that. Or if you want it in PA11 or, or, or then other materials, it's, it's, it's obviously not quite as simple as that, as that at the moment. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's, it's like too complicated. I mean, it's, it's definitely doable, but if, if you are thinking seriously about printing with, with two different materials, then I would definitely recommend to have the, the separate processing station and separate build units for, for each material. So okay. that okay. makes better sense because I mean, you can still, you can still work with the one printer, but uh, the processing station, I would just leave one dedicated to let's say PA and the second one dedicated to polypropylene. Oh, cool. To avoid, you know, to avoid this this cleaning procedures because it's a, it's a time consuming. Yeah, so save time. Although it's quite, I imagine it's still it's still quite expensive to start adding more um, processing stations and uh, and having more units, especially <laughs> in a small industry of our orthotics. And um, I think kind of going from there, moving on to the the, the color printers because they do exist. There just seems to be less of them available um, at the moment um, and. And is there much difference in what, what goes on with the color printing, uh, color 3D printing, uh, as a, a when compared to the, the standard version? Yeah, well, uh, if if we are talking about the standard version, then then we are talking about uh, 4200 or 5200 printers. Okay, mm -hmm. and these are modular systems. So you have you have uh, actually you have the printer itself, you have the processing station, and these are two separated devices. Okay, the the processing station enables you to work with the powders, mix it in some ratios, and to prepare to prepare the jobs and to to uh, to clean the parts after after the printing. Okay, 
then you have the built unit. So it's it's a modular system, so you can you can adjust it based on your production volume or expected production volume. So you can you can play with it. While the the color printer is is the only machine we have, and it's a, it's a 580, and it's an all in one. Okay, so it's it's not modular. With uh, when talking about the 580, you got just a one single device, and it's all in there. So you don't have the built unit, you don't have the separate the print uh, processing station. It's really? all Yes. So it happens all automatically inside that machine in yeah. terms of the, the powder removal and exactly, um, exactly. Right. Does it change yeah, the times of uh, of cooling or? I mean the the entire build time. So that means printing and cooling for on the 580 printer is around 18 hours. Okay. Right? So and you prepare it... a job, you you send it inside, uh, you send it to the print, you just hit the start button, and after 18 hours, you just pick up the parts which are which are cleaned right. and the powder is is reclaimed. Is the build unit the same size as the 4200 and 5200? No, no, no. In in a 580 because it's a smaller device and maybe maybe uh, the listeners can catch uh, can check on the internet. So, so yeah. the build chamber is is smaller than okay. on a 42 or 5200. All right. Okay. I'm I'm now thinking that do those numbers correlate to the size of the build units on the that you've given me on the the 4200 and 5200? Does that mean that they're bigger build units, bigger machines? And then the 580 means it's slightly smaller. Exactly. Okay, okay. catching up. I've got to learn something every day. <laughs> uh, um, and so again, like some of the feedback that I've heard around the kind of 3D printing industry is that the material, uh, when, you, when you print in color, that it does change slightly the property, the end property of the, the device that you get at the end and different colors can have different uh, sort of effects because of the way it, the the slicing happens with the when it prints the layer by layer and the heating process on different colors kind of mm -hmm. makes makes it go off slightly differently. Is that is that something that you've heard before as well? Yeah, well, it. I I wouldn't say that the let's say the mechanical properties of printed part are too different, but there are some differences. I, I can confirm that. Uh, with with 580 or 540, you you have you have only one material available, and that's PA12, and we call it color boost to to enable the color printing. Okay. okay. And the truth is that uh, when comparing the PA12 color boost for 540, 580 with the standard PA12 for the 42 or 5200, the mechanical property are, properties are are slightly different. Okay. And yeah. same as 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 you mentioned, I mean the. Let's say that the the monochrome part, the the black uh, the black white part, has mm -hmm. also different or slightly different mechanical properties when comparing with the color parts. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's um. I know it feels like I ask questions like hoping for like there to be more available, but I think this industry is already moving so quickly. Um, it's yeah. kind of hard to keep up with people's like myself, like, well, we want the next thing, we want the next thing and, uh, to, to keep it moving as fast as possible. Whereas on the other side, on the design side, it's almost like infinite already, like what you can you can design and then print. And then there's the other side about the printing, trying to keep up with getting, becoming more efficient and having more options. But like you say, it takes takes time for, for those things to, to happen and new materials to come out and processes to, to get quicker. There's obviously, a, it's a massive process, but it's one that's going forward really quickly. And um, I guess then, 
from your perspective, and I ask everybody this, uh, where where are we going with 3D printing? Like, what what do you see as as the kind of next major significance in, in the 3D printing industry? <laughs> that's a that's a very tough question because as you as you just mentioned, it's a it's a so dynamic uh, it's a so dynamic environment, and there are new. Uh, new things coming, you know, on a daily basis out. So not not only talking about the technology, but also about the materials. All right. So it's it's hard to predict where where it will end or where it will go. Uh, me personally, I'm I'm expecting the metal printing to be to be big and yeah. very soon. I'm also expecting uh, a lot of a lot of new stuff to to come in in a healthcare business and uh, not only ONP, but I mean maybe. Uh, maybe some biological printing, you know, origins or some some let's say spare parts for the human body. Yeah, I, I think we we talked briefly before, and uh, you mentioned about the the Smile Direct business, which which was astounding. I've seen adverts on the TV here, but just remind me what uh, they're 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 a huge huge printing business, aren't they? Yeah, the the Smile Direct is is a U.S. based company, and they they are focusing or they are focusing on dental molds. Okay, so it's uh, if if your if your teeth are not aligned properly, now there are more options available, and it's it's not only about putting the metal wire inside of your mouth to to make your life miserable. <laughs> yeah, I've had that before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, so, been there. Uh, so now the Smart Direct, and it's not only about the Smart Direct, there are many other companies uh, involved in that. Uh, so what are they doing is actually the, it's, a, it's a new way of treatment of, of your teeth. And actually they, they print in the, the models of your teeth and they have a, they have a specialist like ortho, orthotics or orte, uh, orthodontist. Orthodontist, yeah. Orthodontist, right. And actually they, they scan your teeth and they they do it like a step by step. Okay, so they, they move it slightly each teeth into the into the correct position in mm -hmm. approximately two weeks uh, two weeks time frame. So you as a patient uh, will receive or would receive uh, every two weeks new pair of dental aligners which are clear and almost invisible. Okay, you, you wear it like 20, 20 hours per day. You have it in your mouth. Uh, there are no limitations yeah. like with the classic with the classic dental aligners. And you just wear it uh, 20 hours per day for two weeks. After two weeks, you receive another envelope with a, yeah. Yeah. with a new a new pair of, of aligners. And this is actually how they are, you know, making the alignment of your teeth step by step. And you know, it, and, and the crazy thing is the volume that you mentioned before that these that they're printing like 70 printers 24/7. That's, I mean, that's correct. That's it's correct. just a, and it's just amazing how that what like a concept like that has you know just snowballed and I think as well like the amount of people that could benefit in their industry from 3D printing is it's almost kind of endless like because of the way that it's moving forward and the flexibility of it and, and what you can produce it um, yeah I, I can only kind of I, th I think that more and more industries are going to come into it and more and more it's going to become the kind of norm for so many people yeah, I mean the the dental aligners are. I think it's a it's a great business for for the three D printing, you know, because uh, because every part is different. I mean, as every patient is different, so it's a it's a, there is a huge mass customization, and this is probably something where where the 
AM or additive manufacturing or 3D printing is just the ideal solution in, you know, for, for the production of such, a, such parts. Okay. But what, what I like the most probably on a, on a Smile Direct is, uh, is the sustainability and uh, how, they, how they actually close the cycles. Because you can imagine that producing thousands of molds per day mm-hmm. uh, are actually producing a lot of, a lot of waste. Because yeah. you, know, you you print you print the mold, then you thermoform it, and then you have to scrap it. Okay, so so actually, what we are doing together with the Smart Direct, we are recycling those parts together with the with the waste powder, mm-hmm. and actually we just we just melt it and turn back into the pellet for the injection mold. Mm-hmm. So this is actually how we are closing the cycle and uh, working with the recyclability of, of the materials and, and the parts. And that sustainability is no matter who's printing what, is, is, it happens with every process, doesn't it? And I think that the, the other side of that into orthotics is where we see a big advantage is uh, it's a digital workflow process of being able to not have to take plaster cast um, and then someone has to fill it and, and rectify it um, and or, or for some of the other more modern methods of when, when they're milled out. Um, it, it literally... With, with a product that I use a lot, the Excel app, they, you, just, you just end up with a print file at the end, it just sends to a printer. And then there's, so like, we're hoping that like, we're just building more efficiency into what we can deliver to, to people. Yeah. And, and, and without, you know, without going crazy on, on pricing either, kind of, you know, we're able to be cost effective because, because it's not, although it's a new technology, it's actually, more efficient so it's not come in and kind of made the market more expensive it's actually come in and been able to to level off with with what's already there definitely definitely agree on 100 percent you know and actually the digitalization or or the 3d scanning i think this is the future and uh, it's it's also connected to the 3d printing right because uh, you have to you have to create the parts or the 3d files before the printing as as a base for the printing and for for such an industry like ONP, I mean the 3D scanning, uh, the patients, and and just you know working yeah. on customization, it's uh, just nice collaboration. So. Yeah, it's it's cool. trying to get trying to get people to feel confident of the change of going to digital workflow, which is my job, uh, is uh, is hard. But uh, I think you take because you're learning a new uh, learning a new a new way of working, which is always a little bit challenging and scary, and Although it's not 100% smooth all the time, it, uh, it's, it's definitely not far away. And these processes are becoming more and more flexible. So. You know, it's it's everywhere. I think it's it's not only about the OMP, it's also industrial. You know, the, there are new processes coming in, the, the level of digitalization is going up. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's happening everywhere. And that's what we call the fourth industrial revolution kind of okay because <laughs> everything is going to be digital and what we are trying to say to the customers when for instance when we go to some oems or to some industrial producers is to uh if you have a stock full of parts you know it's a stock full of money uh, yeah. and in 21st century it doesn't make sense to, to have a stock full of money i mean uh from my perspective it's had a, it has a better uh, better sense to have a digital library of the spare parts of your or of your product yeah. and just produce them on a demand you know the customer yeah. sent you the, the order you just pull out uh, the file from the digital library and print it or manufacture yeah. on a demand it. i know and it yeah it's and you can make minor minute adjustments as well i've had that once where i had to just make a part 
you know, a little bit smaller to, to, to improve the fit of the device. And then, uh, yeah. you know, the guys were like, oh, yeah, no problem. Print it three days later, the exact same piece, slightly smaller, fit it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is, you know, and it's not, it's not a difficult process. It's not labor intensive. It's just literally shrinking it down on a screen and, and printing it. It's cool. But, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I um, really appreciate your time exactly. this, this morning to, uh, to speak to me. And uh, hopefully everyone's found that informative about the, the kind of HP side of it, because I've talked to Jan from Invent, who's kind of the company that we work with a lot and 3D printing and O&P, and then uh, on the other side of that, um, people who are using, using our products. So good to see what your side of it is at the kind of back end where, where all the printing is getting done and what's happening. So thank you, Peter, for your time. That's superb. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you.